Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is the returning Zara Hederman critic, reviewer, Fuego guest. Uh, Zara, how's it going? It's going good. How are you, on? Okay, yeah, we're doing this uh, via Skype. You're up in Dublin, I'm in Cork. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying beforehand, hopefully hopefully uh, that divide shines through in our voices over the next like 40 minutes or so, however long we're going to be chatting. Coming to you from Ireland's t- twinning capital cities. <laughs> So what we're going to do on this podcast is kind of talk about some of the music that's come out. We were, we're one quarter of the year through, which and is kind of surprising, isn't it? It's very alarming. Doesn't that sound like a long time? Well, I've seen a lot of really funny memes being like, well, January was long and now it's March. Just feel like when you texted me and said that the choice prize was three weeks ago. That yeah. feels like three months ago, like baffling, <laughs> baffling stuff. <laughs> Yeah, particularly like with the coronavirus hitting. We're recording this uh, the day after the lockdown was announced. So I think that that's kind of uh, going to take hold now and like really, uh, I don't know, really shape how we're feeling for the next couple of weeks. So we're going to talk about some of the music that we've been enjoying in the first quarter of the year and some of the Irish music and stuff. But I guess, first of all, how have you been dealing with the old coronavirus coming to Ireland over the past while, Zara? Um, like surprisingly okay I've had one or two moments where I've felt a bit freaked out but then I just stopped um opening those messages on whatsapp groups where it's um you know the shared whatsapp messages of like updates but they're not they're completely false I've still kind of been going into work to do post runs so I have been getting out of the house most days which has been nice I don't feel really cooped up but otherwise I've just been live my best life reading books and catching up with podcasts getting a lot of work kind of stuff done and trying to use this time to come up with ideas but yeah no generally really good really enjoying the live streams as well of gigs I loved the Mary Wallopers one on Paddy's Day shout out to Martin the Cat he was uh yes star of the show the nation's sweetheart now um Paddy Hannah has been doing some really great instagram live videos too so for the moment i'm doing okay how i'll be by april 12th is another thing i don't know because looking at the upcoming release chart on metacritic it's pretty thin now coming up and a lot of people are obviously like postponing album releases and i guess looking at music news is not very exciting at the moment because everything's just getting cancelled so yeah how have you been coping on (laughs) uh i guess i've been the same i've actually been quite busy uh the past week just because i've been working from home in my uh night job um and i've just got another few things on during the day as well so this week i was actually like really busy i was like ah this is uh this is too much i need i need a, a lockdown on myself or something but um no it's good the live streams is maybe the first topic that i wanted to talk to you about because there was talk like oh is this the future of music first of all I don't think it is because there will be gigs again at some point in the future. But I do think the Mary Wallopers in particular was one that really did show you that, oh, these are going to be uh, here to stay for a little bit. Anyway, aren't they? Uh, I checked it the next day. Um, they're, they're on YouTube because the video stayed up on their YouTube and it was 22,000 views I think the next day and people were donating money and I'm guessing that they made 
a little bit have changed. Like the day that they did that, they were supposed to be in the Opera House supporting Lancome on St. Patrick's Day. So it must have been really disappointing that they couldn't do it. But it was really nice to see that, you know, the community of people that I know online were all kind of watching it. You know, friends were all watching it together. And it did have that kind of communal feel of a gig that everybody kind of goes to, didn't it? It did. Yeah, it was really nice to see, like following it on Twitter as well. Like pretty much everyone I know who is um connected to the the Irish music scene in particular was just um tweeting about the the gig which was really nice and I did really enjoy it because sometimes you're not always in the mindset to be around people but you still want to communicate with people so being able to do that in my pajamas listen and watch one of my favorite uh, acts of the last kind of year um, was really nice and really comforting and made me forget about the whole lockdown and not being allowed to do as much and go to gigs but it is kind of starting to set in like I am starting to really miss going to gigs um, so I don't know how long this will sustain me for but I have um, like a few uh, musicians that I follow say on like Instagram I've seen like quite a lot of people being like oh um does anyone want to collaborate I don't really mind where you are in the world um I'm just really bored at home and really want to kind of reach out and make some new music that could be kind of potentially quite interesting and with new people so I've seen loads of that like from Skylar from Flea Foxes and he plays with Hamilton Lighthouser he had one of them so it's kind of cool if to think that like there could be someone in a bedroom in Waterford who maybe makes music in their bedroom he'll send him a DM be like hey I'd like to do that so it's kind of cool to think of that kind of cross-pollination of music that this kind of scenario could set up but now whether he's going to make music with someone in Waterford I highly doubt but you know it's it's interesting the opportunities that people are making for themselves and it'll be I'm really intrigued to hear like in the coming months what does come out of this and I suppose lyrics as well are going to be a quite quarantine and self-isolated <laughs> yeah i mean that's what was cool about seeing like dahi kind of made a track mm. uh like showed the visual side of making a track and collaborating with people kind of online so that was cool to see that all come together as well and that song is up on um youtube the irish goodbye but some of the other live streams that i've been enjoying the kind of the first week of kind of the working from home directive i suppose i don't know how you want to call it week one I guess. Uh, James Vincent McMorrow, 6pm every day, he was doing like a couple of songs on Instagram, which was really nice. He played a, uh, a new track as well at the end. So it was nice to hear him doing things like that. And just last night, um, as we're talking, it's, uh, it was uh, Friday the 27th of March. Islander Promotions put on a really nice gig that was uh Maya Sophia, John Francis Flynn, Anamika and Junior Brother and that made a lot of money as well. That was kind of for the artists all of whom have had gigs cancelled over the past couple of days and weeks and probably into the future as well. So I think that it was just kind of a little bit help these artists out. And it was re- it was really really nice and again it was kind of that communal feel. So it was nice to see it all come together. Were there any other ones you mentioned a couple there that you've been watching um are there other ones that you've kind of like opened your Instagram at a certain time and they've been on? It's funny like now my phone I just constantly have notifications from Instagram being like such and such a started a live video such and such a started a live video. The Paddy Hannah one is the only one that I've tapped into um which also featured his dog Cuppy which uh, another another Irish pet making making airwaves. 
But yeah, no, I haven't really been going too into them. I haven't really been on my phone really that much in the last little while. Do you think that it might be a little bit of fatigue as well that you're like, oh, another artist doing an Instagram live? Come on. Kind, yeah, yeah, kind, sometimes can be just a little bit. I don't want to say overwhelming because that's a bit of a dramatic kind of word to put to it (laughs) I'm just so overwhelmed with all these artists wanting to sing but no it like it is a lot to kind of keep track on and like if I do see someone that I'm really interested and really like their music I'll definitely tap into it like I've just actually been more so listening to music trying to use this as a time as well to revisit albums that I haven't really listened to that much. My actually my quarantine soundtrack has been Fiona Apple. <laughs> oh yeah. She was one that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, it actually it stemmed from when I saw your tweet about the New Yorker profile on her. Um so I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give this a go. So I was reading the profile and I was like, oh, I'll stick on title while I'm doing this. And I'd never really listened to Fiona Apple before. I think my older sisters had her albums knocking around, but I didn't really pay too much attention to them because I was like, oh, they're my older sisters. Like, what do they know? Um, But then I was like mind blown by how incredible Tidal is and the fact that she's 17. Her lyrics are just so incredible. But that profile as well is just one of the best things I've read about a musician or anything um, in the last couple of years. She just seems like such a legend. And ever since then, I've just been watching countless Fiona Apple interviews on YouTube, performances, and she is so cool. So she's my quarantine queen. <laughs> Was there any part of the profile that really stood out to you? So, yeah, so many parts. Just how sad her life was in parts. Like the part where she's talking about being raped at the age of 12 in the stairway of her apartment when she was going home. Um, I didn't know anything about that. I thought that her story of how she got into the studio with the tape and her friend with the babysitting connection of the, the record label person, I thought that was really interesting. I was really shocked as well to like... Just like how it's mentioned, like some of the people that she went out with throughout the years, like the Paul Thomas Anderson connection, never knew that. Um, I suppose my favorite part part of the uh, the profile was the bit where she talked about like giving up cocaine, and she said that she was in Quentin Tarantino's house with Quentin and Paul Thomas Anderson. She's like. The two of them were just bragging about themselves. And if there was ever, if you want to try and get off cocaine, just hang out with the two of them. It's horrendous. <laughs> it's like, so I just loved how she was able to throw such shade with humor and not seeming like really embittered. And she's just so eloquent and just like seems like such a cool person. And I loved, I know her fans probably didn't love this, but I loved when she uh, postponed part of her 2012 tour because her dog was dying. That was devastating. Did you read the letter? She wrote a letter to her fans explaining it. And I read it yesterday. And like my nose was fizzing up like because it's just very, um, it's very sad. Um, I think one of the things that that profile did for me, it really struck home how long and hard artists can work on music and you know they spend literally years of their life putting into the album into making an album and making you know she's been working on the album for years and years and years and like thinking about all of the kind of the sounds and the textures and the um the harmonies that are on it and then like once she releases it 
you know, I could just press play like, oh, yeah, Fiona Apple's got a new album out. I'm just going to listen to that there on my phone or something like that. Like the way that it's not intended to. It's very throwaway listening. And it almost made me feel bad about the way that I kind of consume some art, you know, in that, uh, you know, you can be kind of like one and done. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, what's this? Uh, listen to that, throw it away onto the next thing. And that uh, it just kind of made me think like, geez, um, am I even paying attention to any of the music that I'm listening to or any of the TV or movies that I'm watching? I don't know if or even the books, particularly the past couple of weeks, it's just kind of been like, OK, I'll read I'll read some more and racing through a couple of books. And it's like, am I am I even doing justice to what has obviously been a long time being made yeah I completely get what you mean and I think when I was listening to Tidal in particular I think I listened to it three times in a row just to really kind of take in everything just because she was in that profile as well it's just so descriptive and it really shines through like how um, articulate she is as a songwriter so I was like okay I'm really enjoying her in this. I really want to enjoy her albums as well. Um, so really just, I have found myself really paying attention to things more. And like you were saying with books, reading pages and like paragraphs a few more times just to try and like m- make the most of it and make sure I'm actually kind of doing them a justice. <laughs> so hopefully now people will listen to this podcast episode about three times so that they can fully take in what we've said. (laughs) (laughs) I actually prefer Fiona Apple's second album, When the Pawn. I I kind of went through that after listening to Tidal a couple of times. But like, yeah, Tidal is just an incredible piece of work from someone so young. And it's like 24 years old. And you can kind of hear its influence all over as well. But she's someone who kind of like, I I, I wouldn't really have thought of going to listen to until I read this. Mm, I was exact same. No, I was completely the same. And I think it was because I had that thing of my older sisters in my head where it's like, oh, they liked... Actually, I was about to say, oh, they loved White Ladder and there was three copies at home, but White Ladder is actually class as well. Albums-wise, how has this year been for you? Just not even Irish albums. We might talk about the Irish side of things a little bit later, but like I've got a list in front of me and it's actually quite surprisingly like quite lengthy, I think, considering it's only a, a quarter of the year in and uh we're losing a couple of albums because of the coronavirus as well yeah no I was actually really shocked as well how many I ended up on my kind of long list of the albums that I've loved the most and not even like loved but have returned to quite a lot of have been listening to a lot like I think I have about 10 on mine so my my top two would be the Destroyer album from January that was Dan Behar's 12th album. Uh, it's called Have We Met. And actually, when I was thinking about this last night, I thought that the story behind the recording process of this album is actually quite timely for now because basically he recorded that um, slouched over his laptop in his home and he revisited like some files of lyrics that he had that were for other projects kind of unspecified projects so whether they were for other songs or for I don't know an essay or something else he didn't uh, clarify but basically he he in a microphone just like very quietly sang them and then would send the files off to John Collins who produces all of his stuff um his destroyer stuff 
And then he had like John Collins basically did all of the arrangements remotely. There was another guy who added some, I think, guitar parts to it. So yeah, that album was built pretty much by three people, but all remotely, like within their homes. So I just kind of thought that was like thinking about that album, which came out in January, which he would have been working on last year. It was like very um pertinent pertinent process for uh for this time Stephen Malcolmus he had traditional techniques which was a really nice one the arrangements are kind of like affixed to more like middle eastern sounds so I kind of initially thought that I would just really love those two but then when I thought about it I was listening to U.S. Girls a lot uh King Cruel's album I quite liked Real Estate Real Estate's album was one that really shocked me that I really really liked for me they were a bit stale with their last album so I kind of felt a bit dismissive towards the main thing because I thought it was just gonna be the same but there's some weird like Steely Dan kind of nods in it which still slowly kind of coming around to Steely Dan and then elsewhere like one that really shocked me that I liked was Grimes's album I have to say I was never really a Grimes fan when she was releasing like her albums back in the early 2010s I don't know if it was just because of that I was like oh she was never really my thing I'm not maybe this isn't going to speak to me that much because I would have known obviously like Genesis and Oblivion and the great songs and whatever but um I was shocked by how different this album was in tempo like it's a lot moodier um and it kind of spoke to a lot of the different um textures that I quite like like the really slumberous stuff the kind of like bass heavy beats um, her vocals as well I think are really nice on that but otherwise oh Andy Schaff his album is great I think you'd really like him his albums are always very storied so this one was called The Neon Skyline and it's basically about him hanging out in a bar his local and he bumps into his ex-girlfriend and he then the rest of the 12 songs are just all about their interaction with each other um like there's the lyrics are really funny like on I think like no they are intentionally funny like there's one where uh she says to him oh I miss this pointing at his jacket but he mishears her and's like oh I miss you too and she's like no that's not what I said I miss your coat um <laughs> so his last party or his last album was called The Party and it was set up similarly like where it's all like a character with a in a house party so he it like sticks to a kind of concept and goes with it but it's really nice very buoyant kind of pop folk um and he's got a really interesting singing voice too there's loads there that we could uh that i i would happily discuss with you just on the destroyer point and the album kind of being made remotely do you actually think that people will be making albums like that right now that they will kind of be you know sending each other files or like when you say that about destroyer like it it was pre-pandemic you know it was like when he was kind of going into his room or wherever he was to make the music like he was going away from everything you know he was kind of choosing to do that I think that like nobody's got the choice now and I I don't know I, th- I think if there is music being made out of all this I don't know how I don't know if it will be that exciting or interesting that it was kind of all done remotely I think that certainly in Ireland anyway that there are a lot of independent musicians who I mean to be a musician is quite a difficult thing because 
you know, there is that saying where you have to have a lot of money behind you in order to kind of, in inverted commas, make it because you need to have a resource behind you to get into the studio, to have the funding, to get your name out there. So I think that like a lot of independent musicians who are making music are kind of doing that anyway at home not a lot of independent artists will kind of have that resource to just book into studio time to uh, record so I think that there are a lot of people in Ireland across Ireland anyway maybe doing that so in that way I think that for them this is kind of not much has changed in how they record maybe I think it's probably like the feckin the blizzards the script the Nile Horns who are going to be having difficulties but their songwriters <laughs> and producers will kind of worry about that for them um so no I do think that like there will be a lot of uh, musicians making music during this time and will be kind of doing it in a similar vein like how they had been like be it like with their own kind of home studio setups with the guitar keyboard and then I mean recording drums is probably a difficult one but sure luck go out to the shed (laughs) or something (laughs) on on the note of Grimes I think it's a really good album as well and I was kind of surprised too because I had written her off a little bit um I actually don't think it's that much of a departure uh from her previous stuff which is why uh, I kind of enjoyed a lot. I know that she'd been kind of painting it as a as a bit of an environmentalist album. Um, and a lot of the time people talk about her personal life, the likes of going out with Elon Musk as much as they, probably more than they talk about the music. So she had kind of almost become a tabloid figure so much so that you forget that she's actually a bit of a musical genius. So that album was actually a really nice reminder that Grimes still knows, like, you know, she's still ahead of the game a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just so many interesting textures going on there. Um, In particular, it was funny, like the song Violence, her vocals on that. This is a, a bit of a throwback. But do you remember the 90s tune uh, One is One, the Robert Miles one? Unless you're going to sing it for me, Zara. Oh God, no, I no, do no. not remember it. <laughs> no, because it's very high pitched. I can barely speak. <laughs> my speaking voice is bad enough um but no there there, there'll be a lot of people who will have um grown up with that song one is one but maria Nyler, she was the female vocalist on that song and there was a time on that grime song violence where like jesus like really reminds me of something and i went straight to that song it's like oh yeah um there's a lot of throwback to it as well like i there was parts that really reminded me of say madonna's frozen kind of the ray of light album from 98 just that really eerie and sparse deserted kind of like you could imagine these songs were made in a deserted landscape with cracked like floor basically the frozen music video but no I love I really loved this and was really surprised by it but I was I really enjoyed revisiting it um in preparation for this um especially that opener um so heavy I felt to the earth that song is sublime I think that could be possibly one of her best songs and as you say the US Girls album is one that I've really been enjoying as well and there's another couple that I would kind of like group together not not because they're all ma- all women making music, but just because I like that uh, it's all kind of emo-y type music as well. I think that 
I, I would describe them all as US girls, soccer mommy and Nadia Reed, who's a singer songwriter from New Zealand. I've really been enjoying those three albums and they all kind of came out in the same. I don't know. Was it the same day that they came out or like within a week of each other as well? So I kind of had them on rotation and I actually think they're all really, really strong. Soccer mommy, I think it's her second album. And I hate saying the name like when you talk about uh, band names, it's it's just one of the worst that I could uh think of but i think it's a lot stronger than her first album as well she actually did a tiny desk concert like over over skype or something like that or over the laptop in the past week as well for npr which was really really good one of my favorite albums of the year is from the brighton band porridge radio which is another awful band name ramshackle is the wrong word but very kind of like old school mid mid noughties just indie music i think it's really really strong i think it's their second album but it's one that i've been going back to a lot as well they have a female vocalist too i actually don't know that much about them i was hoping maybe maybe we'd see them over the summer but i don't know if we're gonna see any bands live over <laughs> Ever the summer. Again. i don't know when we're gonna see music again probably my two favorite albums both came out yesterday dua lipa released her second album and waxahachie released her new album as well i asked you last night if you had listened to the waxahachie album i don't know if you uh I've, is is it too early for you on your Waxahachie journey? I think it might be. It's a name that I have seen everywhere for years. Um, because of it's Kate Crutch Crutchfield. I think did her the debut Waxahachie that came out maybe in like twenty twelve. A fair whack ago, anyway, <laughs> perhaps. But strangely enough, I've just never ever listened to her. Um, and then last night when you texted me, I literally just stuck it on, I think maybe 20 minutes beforehand. And I don't know if it was just that I'd had a day of listening to music on, on loop that I was just a bit kind of frazzled. Typically speaking, they are songs that I would really like. And then I listened to it again today and I did enjoy it. The album had a really nice pace to it, but I just wasn't completely won over yet. So I think I need maybe a third or a fourth. You take your time with the album. I have all the time it, in the world now. <laughs> yeah, because I texted you. I was like, if if I could pick one album that I think that Zara Hederman would absolutely love, I thought it would have been that. It's country tinged, really crisp guitar sound as well. I thought that would be right up your street. Uh, no, exactly. No, as you said, like I was like, this is generally what I really love. But it just something wasn't clicking. I just felt that the production was and this is like not a fault at all, but it was just ex- extremely clean and everything was just very polished. And her vocals just weren't really drawing me in on my first listen. Oh. But as I said, oh. there's still time. There's still time for me to get into it. Um, the album is called St. Cloud. I think it's Waxahachie's fifth album. And I was reading about it um, this morning. There's a good track by track up on um, Pitchfork with her. And she talks about uh, she gave up alcohol at or just after Primavera in 2018. And it's kind of about her journey from there. And I think about kind of like the search for happiness and the search for friendship and everything. So it's a very much um, wears its heart on its sleeve to use an awful cliche, but I absolutely love the album. It's one that I, it just clicked with me straight away. And it's one that I find like really uh, comforting instantly too. Like I've listened to it like pretty much nonstop, just adding in a little bit of Dua Lipa's second album, Future Nostalgia. I think it's going to be the pop album of the year. Uh, I really liked Dua Lipa's first album. I think she's a really just 
killer pop banger uh, maker. And so this one is just absolutely full of them. She already released a couple of tracks, Don't Start Now and Physical and Break My Heart as well. And um, the bass that runs through this album is just so good. I would say that it's the best bass um, on an album of the year, except Thundercat is releasing his new album next week. So he'll probably take the title from Dua Lipa, but... Yeah, I really, really enjoy this album. Again, yesterday, I I, th- I think it was the first album I listened to yesterday because I knew that you would be <laughs> bet into this album as a, as a Dua Lipa, a hardcore fan. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do my due gil- diligence here. Um, my first impressions were that her vocals kind of grated on me a bit. Sometimes the arra- arrangements and the production just made this is just a very cynical kind of um view of mine but they just kind of sounded like that kind of song that will be used in a montage by the bbc for like kind of end of year reviews of like great things that the british people have done um (laughs) but that was just me but i will say that my ears did like open up for pretty please i thought that song was really like um infectious it's the sixth song i think on the album it's got some great cowbell on it um actually one of my notes um for that song is really enjoyed the bass so yeah as you were saying very strong very strong bass love again i was intrigued by like the whole 70s influence on that with the synth strings really into that strangely enough a madonna influence came into my head with the whole confessions of a dance floor era yeah overall i enjoyed moments i did like it in parts whether i would be revisiting the whole album i don't know how quickly i'll do that but i did definitely love uh pretty please for the cowbells great stuff She is actually someone who uh, moved her album up. I think it was only supposed to come out um, next Friday, but she moved it up a week. And now we've seen like a whole host of um, artists, Haim or one act who jumped to mind, who actually moved their album release back, which is interesting. I would think like just put the album out. But then I was thinking like, you've got to get your videos ready. You've got to get uh, your ducks in a row, I suppose. (laughs) Exactly, yeah your music music business manager speak there gotta get your ducks in a row <laughs> uh one big album that was a surprise drop was childish gambino's album i don't know if you listened to this um much in the past week since it officially was released yeah i've um i listened to it on friday was it friday i think and then i lit oh, friday was yesterday uh thursday i think it was and then i listened to it again today and i have to say i was really disappointed by it I just felt that there was a lot of kind of confused kind of compositions going on like it can be a bit scatty doesn't really have a coherent strand to it but there are some times where there are like absolute bangers more so kind of towards the second half yeah I don't know I just found it really muddled and very unmemorable and then even like again I just feel really cynical but like just the bit at the end where he's like chatting to his kid it's really cute but I I just like just didn't sit well with me or something you've got a heart of stone Zara 
<laughs> the, so, so it's the second last song um, where the kid appears. The kid's name is Legend. So the song is 4748 on the album. He's like, oh, do you love yourself, daddy? Does mommy love herself? And I thought it was really, really nice. That song and the last song are just really, really positive the kind of music that we need right now um the rest of the album i think maybe it's lacking a bit of an obvious hit which childish gambino if you go to um his most popular songs on on spotify you know like the list of 10 or however many deep you want to go like it is just hit after hit after hit uh, hundreds of million hundreds of millions of plays on spotify and he's one of the biggest acts in the world and so i i would kind of give him leeway in that i think that he's a bit of a genius um so i'll i think this album is really good uh i'll give it some more time and i think it'll probably be like a great album but i'm i'm really enjoying it at the moment even though maybe it's not that great leap forward that maybe some people had been hoping for i felt that this was kind of more in keeping in times with how where he shifted sonically with this is america like with that really densely densely arranged style with the really kind of not harsh but very fuzzed very deep vocals whereas i kind of was expect like i'm a bit of a fair weather childish gambino fan i did quite like awaken my love i just thought there was going to be more kind of bops like um like Redbone and and stuff but i have to say that algorithm that song I kind I like the more I listened to the album the more I enjoyed it 1910 is pretty cool it's just a bit clunky and a bit all over the place for me at the moment that's fair enough um one other like maybe he would like being described as a bit of a genius is Kevin Parker of Tame Impala um I don't know what your thoughts are on Tame Impala but they released their new album or he released his new album I think it's basically just singular now um earlier this year to great acclaim and on the one hand it doesn't have any kind of jolt to the system any kind of like shock any great surprise on the album but on the other hand i do kind of find myself putting it on but almost as music almost as background music i kind of don't think of it in terms of like this is an album that i actually want to listen to i completely agree with you there when it came out on it came out on valentine's day didn't it i was not excited really by the prospect of having to listen to a ta- like a, a new Tame Impala album which is funny again like back in um like 2012 when Lonerism came out I listened to that album and Inner Speak uh, loads and then Currents is where my interest slightly dipped in them the kind of the whole glean of Tame Impala just wore off quite quickly for me so by the time the slow rush came this year, I just wasn't really too bothered or too excited by it. Then when I did listen to it, it just all felt very samey. And as you said, I think describing it as music is so perfect because like it, it for me, it was quite wishy-washy. It's very background music, which is strange considering the level of precision that he claims to put into composing and producing his music I've read like a few interviews and kind of just online where he's quite pedantic about like the instrumentation and the arrangement but here it just sounds like just like one big long exhale and he's just not very likable I don't think either like there's no (laughs) humor there's no relatability like I think there's one 
there's one line I, I stuck out to me yesterday when I was listening to it where he's like is he talking about like his house or something for his house and he's like hey let's buy it and his wife's like yeah sure I was like oh god like this is just not like relatable um it's also really long it's such a long album it's 57 minutes long and every time I go to listen to it I kind of have to maybe do a lap of the room before I sit down to <laughs> to dedicate myself to it um and I did find that I do check into you know wherever I'm listening to to be like oh, where what part am I at it now like have I got much longer to go oh no I have 12 more songs to go um so yeah it's just a bit laborious for me so I, th- I think that we've kind of talked about most of the big albums this year. Oh, we've Mac Miller's album. Oh, yeah, that came out at the start Loved of the year. Loved that album. It was album. kind of like B-sides and rarities. You really, really liked it. Loved it, yeah. Um, Again, like this has been like really nice time. To, like I'd never really listened to Mac Miller that much. And then I checked him out the other day and instantly fell in love with Circles. Was surprised by the arrangements like the light the instrumentation on it just adding such a nice human kind of feel to the songs whereas a lot of the time rap can just kind of you know the the words and the the rappers kind of flow are kind of central and then the beats can always just feel quite synthetic and you know studio built whereas I loved this is just like a band playing and then really loved and I guess this was just because the whole my Fiona Apple bubble that John Bryan was involved in the production of the Mac Miller albums um, Circles and Swimming from 2018 and it's funny like when you listen to it you can really hear his influence on the songs but how he's also especially with this album obviously because it was released um, posthumously how he's very respectful of you know everything surrounding Mac's voice which as well like his voice is really um like it's very distinct but it does and it can be kind of harsh at times but it does have a really nice um velvetiness to his timbre as well which I quite liked yeah it's one of those that I, I just get so sad whenever I hear Mac Miller just because he was a genius he was going to be one of the biggest acts in the world and so for him to die when he did uh it's just very very sad but yeah I think that album is really nice and it was made in a good way as well yeah his voice is kind of like it makes me think of Tom Waits you know it's very mumbly isn't it that's yeah that's a perfect um kind of comparison because he has that graveliness to his voice and even like listening to swimming uh kind of back to back with circles like I loved how uh there was I can't remember what the song is called but there was one song where the bass is very distinct and I was like Jesus that sounds so like a Thundercat bass line and then I looked it up and I was like oh it is like um and actually I've been listening to the Thundercat album um for the last like couple of days. That's really good as well. But he has a song on it which was um kind of a reflection on his kind of feelings about Mac Miller's passing. So it's kind of really interesting to see the impact that he had on the that kind of commu- like the rap community and the hip hop community and kind of further afield from that. <laughs> We, we haven't really talked much about Irish music. Um, the last time that I saw you was at the Choice Prize, being dragged out of Vicar Street by uh, May Kay. Um, oh, yeah. Who's looking after you. Uh, an arm around your shoulder at 3am. Uh, she nearly pulled the arm out of my socket. <laughs> 
it was a really really good night we saw eight of the 10 acts nominated for the album um perform and i don't know is that kind of the reason why i don't really have that mon that many um albums on like the best irish albums that have been released so far this year there's only a handful i think that that have really kind of impressed me and like looking at my uh you know list of listen albums this year it's a lot of the choice prize shortlist like going over that and uh so what's on your list of your favorite irish albums so far this year when I was thinking about this and dedicating my a page in my notebook, I thought it was going to be, the list would be a lot longer than what it actually is. So on my list of favourite Irish releases, album-wise this year, it has it's actually it's embarrassingly small. It's Outremont's The Imaginary Museum. I love that album. I think that's absolutely brilliant. It's just so such a um a mixture of um really dense and dark kind of moods and tempos and tones and then really bright motifs like the sax solo on on the rec is it on the record that yeah so i just love how like infectious it is it like just made me dance constantly like just loved it's such an easy album to throw on and have uh have on the background or to really focus on of course i Paddy Hanna's vocals I just think are brilliant Podge Cooney's accent so that album I've really really been loving and I think it's the Irish album I've listened to the most then Hilary Wood's Birthmarks I really enjoyed that that is put out on Sacred Bones which is a really cool um label I think Zola Jesus is um one of her label mates there uh, again Hilary Woods I just find her so fascinating I loved Cult back in 2018. I just love albums that are kind of scary. Like I like to listen to an album that like is densely layered and especially in that kind of fashion where the vocals are kind of doubled and they're very echoey. It's very spacious as well there's a lot of kind of instrumentation going on so you have a lot as a listener to uh pick apart with each listen so your ears kind of go to different things so they're constantly revealing things to you i just find her music to be kind of 2020 version of a grim grim brothers fairy tale i just love them like i just love her music i think she's brilliant also there was the Ethan Asa francis's album came out again kind of like the waxahachie stuff that i on paper really like haven't entirely warmed to this album yet it's very pleasant to listen to for sure it's an easy one to stick on but it just hasn't really kind of clicked with me yet otherwise there's been a lot of great songs released I think I think this quarter has been great for like standalone releases today actually I was listening to the Limerick based Hey Rusty they released a song I think last week called All Night Daylight that's really brilliant has some really big like Phil Spector-esque um, drums at the start. Bleeding Heart Pigeons, of course. They released a song recently. Nisha Roo. She's bringing out her Sick Girlfriend EP very soon. That's really great. I've been listening to that. So yeah, like I think for kind of standalone releases, it, there's been a lot to kind of enjoy. But for albums, I was surprised at how 
many there were that I was like, oh, I love this. I love this so much. So, yeah. What about you? What have you been enjoying? I agree with you. I think it's just kind of the the whole Spotify thing has come home to roost for a lot of uh, acts. They've just realized that, um, you know, you, you get a song on a playlist and then you're kind of a little bit made in one respect. So I think it's been a good year for um, Irish songs. Uh, Yankee released a great track called Lucy. Saint Sister have a new song out called Dynamite as well. Hopefully a new album to follow shortly from them. So those are two of my standout uh tracks from Irish Acts of the Year but yeah my list isn't too long of um, albums but I guess for the first three months of the year maybe it's like you know six or seven deep maybe that's a good hit rate but um, Lethal Dialect released the third in his trilogy of LD50 uh, albums which are really good he's a a rapper from Dublin who kind of focuses on social issues and I think every album has just hit a really high benchmark and I think it's the same with this one. I talked to him on the TPOE podcast last week as well so it was really great to uh, chat with him. David Keenan released an album right at the start of the year. I think he was the first act who released an album. I think it's actually pretty good but I think his reputation precedes him in some circles. I think some people uh, don't like the image that he presents I'd like him to release I'd like him to write a chorus I'd like him to write like a really really like show that he can write a bit of a hit because I think a lot of it kind of gets a little bit kind of lost it sounds a little bit samey but I think that album is quite good um just yesterday the scratch released their debut album they've been a live hit for a long time with audiences and they also did a live stream on saint patrick's day earlier than mary wallopers and uh that was really nice to spend an hour or an hour and a half in their kind of uh metal influenced irish trad folk world so i think that album i'm looking forward to uh digging into that a little bit and then an album that i would recommend to you is tomorrow's the night chorus too yes i loved the part one it's it really reminds me of O emperor i think they're um really really good they're brilliant i remember when part one came out last year um and i loved it and i completely forgot that part two was released at the start of this year about a month ago yeah about a month ago yeah one more album that's on my list is the line it's brian dylan from melty brains He's a producer and he just put out this album, like uh, sent me a couple of emails about it and um, I just threw it on one day and it's really, really, really nice kind of like like light electronica kind of dark in places but uh i haven't listened to it that much but um i was impressed first time that i listened to it yeah as i say i think songs have kind of uh taken over a little bit which is fine you know but at the end of the year it's gonna be such a strange year in general but just in terms of like what the music landscape looks like it's just going to be so different to anything we've ever seen before isn't it it's mad to think about and try and even imagine because it's very difficult as it is to imagine how all of this is going to come to a halt if it's going to come to no it is when it's going to come to a halt I can't remember if it was on maybe the no encore podcast I was listening to but they were even saying like how it's going to be even weird the first gig that we like people do go to because it's like are people going to be really like skeptical of like standing near people or like talking to people hugging people so I think there will be quite um, a big period of readjustment to get back to kind of how we were in like pre-corona times. But as you said, yeah, it is going to be so strange because like even thinking back like in December this year, like to think back on, oh, gigs of the year. It's like, well, 
um, Primavera is cancelled, Glastonbury is cancelled, loads of gigs have been cancelled. Like the albums will be, hopefully when they come out, at least there'll be something, but to just kind of constantly think of, oh yeah, do you remember all the gigs we didn't go to? And even when I see, even when I see on Instagram now or Twitter, um, it's mostly Irish bands that I've seen doing this, but like, oh, our gig from say the start of April has now been rescheduled to May or June and I'm again the cynical head in me is like will it be ready like is it going yeah. to be um even I saw it takes a village has that been cancelled or that, postponed yeah it's been cancelled slash postponed until 2021 uh which is very disappointing for the guys but it was the right decision as well I think yeah it just must be really disappointing for all of the bands who have been, you know, excited to put an album out and then have to put all their like practice, like their rehearsals that they've put into for the shows that were coming up to now have all that suspended and up in the air and that hard work kind of just been like dis- disregarded, I guess, because they don't get to go on stage. Um, That's one thing that's like, that's a really sad and quite um disappointing thing and it must be really hard for a lot of musicians at the moment to have to kind of deal with that yeah and just the ramifications even further down the road are the fact that like these big headline acts you know they're few and far between a lot of the time and it takes a lot of uh rehearsals and money and uh work to put on a big show and to put on a big touring show so that's why you're gonna see the ramifications for like uh you know, even if festivals are up and running again, say even in like mid mid June, maybe, but I think that they're probably going to fall by the wayside's as well. Um, like if acts can't get in and practice and like get the whole thing going and running smoothly, like that's going to affect the likes of Electric Picnic at the end of the summer. The um possibly rescheduled Primavera, which says that they're going to run at the end of August as well, and like Reading and Leeds and all of those festivals at the end of the summer. So um. I don't know when we're going to get back to normality, but eventually we'll get back to we'll get back to it uh, soon enough. So I don't know. Do you have anything else to add there? Oh well, I guess we had Bob Dylan's new song or the song that came out. Oh yeah, seventeen minutes. What's your uh, review of it? I haven't listened to it. I don't, I, I read Alexis Petridis in the uh, Guardian say that the music doesn't really matter, um, and like his voice isn't really that important, and it's basically just what's in the lyrics. And it's kind of like he's obsessed with JFK, and it's kind of about the JFK assassination, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's all about the afternoon where JFK was assassinated. Um, and as you're saying, like it is a subject that Bob is really fascinated by I think he in the 70s went to the site in Dallas where he was shot and he wrote a poem he also said something about how he was at an awards ceremony where he gave a speech and he said that he could kind of identify or saw something of himself in Lee Harvey Oswald as well so he does have this kind of like morbid fascination I think the song is really cool um, I love the minimal arrangement of the, just the piano and the string um, and the very light kind of almost like brushed percussion in the background. It's It just kind of builds a nice atmosphere around his voice, which obviously at this stage has gotten a lot more, um, not like subdued, but it's definitely kind of aged because you know time passes like and people get older, but it still has that kind of acerbic wit tone to it the lyrics in it are 
like in classic Bob Dylan style, absolutely hilarious in parts. That's kind of like the main reason, obviously, to like tune into a Bob Dylan song. And I think it's kind of funny to think about him like at home being like, maybe I'll put this song out to like to give people something because there's so many kind of like things to um that are encoded in it as well which will give Bob Dylan fanatics a lot of activity during quarantine to kind of decipher I saw um I think it was on Instagram someone shared that someone put together a Spotify playlist of all of the songs that he references and mentions at the end because at the like the final verse is just like it's um like a combination of JFK requesting all of these like various songs and then Bob Dylan requesting song or like just saying for like songs to be played um so someone put together a playlist of all of the references or like songs mentioned in it which is kind of gas I really liked it um I've listened to it a few times um and I just think it's great and if anyone hasn't read Chronicles Volume 1 which Bob Dylan's memoir definitely uh use your quarantine time to read that because it's one of the best music memoirs I've ever read oh well on that on that tip <laughs> yeah maybe i should uh i should go listen to all 17 minutes of it you've listened to it a couple of times i was gonna ask like uh is it just one that you can just listen to once and you're like right i heard the new bob dylan song that's enough for me well yeah you listen to it first to kind of get an idea of okay what does it sound like so you hear like the arrangement and the instrumentation and you're like oh that's very like the the arrangement is really beautiful i think i think it's really lovely and then you can kind of get distracted between listening to that and then also his words and like obviously his lyrics are so storied they're so um they can be so cryptic and they and can also just be very like on the nose but they're just really funny as well um so it's kind of nice to have a listen where you dedicate just listening to him and tuning the music out and then you have another listen where you hear the two of them compliment each other and yeah fourth time's the charm then where it all just sets in <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, as I was saying earlier, like, you know, spend your time with uh, with the art and try and appreciate all of the work that's gone into it. Maybe I shouldn't be so quick to uh, write things off. That's it. That's it. We've all learned something in these uh, Corona times, the Corona Chronicles. Listen, thanks a lot for uh, for the chat, Sarah. Hopefully we'll be doing this in person if we're going to look at uh, the Q2 music releases and music news but otherwise maybe we'll be doing this for <laughs> for the foreseeable future who knows hopefully it'll be hopefully we'll be okay by then listen take care of yourself you too. and uh hope it all uh works out okay and hopefully you'll be back on the tpoe podcast sooner rather than later i would love to come back sooner just keep washing your hands down keep coughing into your elbow and we'll all be fine <laughs> i'll do the same <laughs> <laughs>